Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, I'm speaking with Rob and Trish McGregor. Rob and Trish are both authors based over in Florida in America. They write about topics such as synchronicities, alien abductions, spirits, and that's just a few things they write about. They have a very wide variety of content. Rob and Trish uh, actually influenced me quite early on. If you have listened to my very first couple podcasts, I sort of mention uh, a few researchers I was really into um, at that time who really inspired me to put my thoughts out there and to kind of speak to all of you about the paranormal. Trish actually was the one to reach out to me uh, and she had heard the podcast, which kind of blew me away, to be honest. So uh, we started having a bit of a conversation over email and I invited both her and Rob on the podcast to talk to, talk to us all about everything that they get up to. So before we get into that chat, though, just a few things. Uh, If you enjoy this episode or any of our previous episodes, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you use. If you enjoyed the episode as well and you find you might know some people who would also get something out of it, please feel free to share it onto them as well. It actually really helps pretty much all the growth that we get from this podcast is people just sharing um, the content around. So it's a massive help if you do know someone who you think might be interested. We have a blog as well, which is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. You can jump on there. There'll be all of Rob and Trish's um, links as well as also in the description of the podcast. But anything um, that we sort of speak about in the podcast that I'll make reference to will be uh, over on the blog. We also are on Facebook and Instagram, so jump on over there. We also have shirts for sale as well at teespring.com. And once again, all of these links are in the description of this podcast. Just want to say uh, a massive thanks to Rob and Trish once again for coming on. It was actually really awesome to speak to these two. So let's just get straight into this chat. Welcome to the podcast, Rob and Trish McGregor. How are you both doing today? Pretty good. All right, guys. So I guess we're going to start from the very beginning of how all of this came about. Where did this, um, where did all this research and I suppose the both of you in meeting, um, where did all this sort of begin? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Yeah, well, for Trish, I, mean, it, uh, I guess it, it goes way back to uh, 1981 when I was working as a newspaper reporter and I got an assignment to uh, find out what's going on with the uh, Cuban refugees. There were 100,000 Cuban refugees who had come uh, a couple years earlier from uh, Cuba. And the question was, were they integrating into American society or were they staying in Little Havana, you know, in the, 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 uh, the, the Cuban communities? And uh, so what I found is uh, Trish was teaching English as a second language at Florida International University uh, which is based in Miami, but she was actually in Hollywood, Florida, which is uh, about 50 miles, 40 miles or so north of Miami. And uh, I met her and uh, we talked to, and I interviewed her. And then afterwards... But I was teaching Marielitos. Yeah. I was teaching the Cuban refugees. So that right. was his story. That was my story. But uh, we found out that we had a common interest afterwards, after the interview, just talking, uh, that we had both been... Uh, 
reading books by this channeler named Jane Roberts, uh, the Seth books, and we both were fascinated by by these uh, books and reading one after another as they were coming out. But we knew no one who was either reading those books or even had, had any, <laughs> any in, interest in the subject matter. So suddenly we found, you know, that we we both had this odd uh, similar interest. So that kind of hit hit things off, and so we. Uh, uh, we were both, we also both wanted to get out of our jobs. <laughs> she wanted to stop teaching. She had written five uh, unpub or six unpublished novels, and uh, I was uh, writing magazine articles, and I wanted to go freelance full time and get, off, get away from the, the newspaper uh, job. And so we, uh, we, we started saving our money, got, got to know each other better, of course, and uh, <laughs> moved in together. And bo we both quit our jobs and uh, started freelance writing. And By then we were married. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got married and went to uh, Chile and uh, Ecuador on our, our honeymoon and came back and went to work. And we... Uh, Ran out of money five months later. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so we both took part-time jobs. And, but we were continuing writing. And the first book we tried to write... Oddly enough, was interestingly enough, was about synchronicity, which you know, you, uh, decades later we started writing again and uh, publishing those books. But the first time we did it, we we just didn't have a, a enough strong experience. enough uh, ex experience, enough grip on the subject that it, it didn't go anywhere. But uh, but we didn't give up. We just uh, we just kept writing, both uh, fiction and nonfiction. And, and we also both had an interest in UFOs. Right. Yeah. So. And, and the paranormal. And I edited Trisha's sixth uh, novel, and that was the one that sold and became her first novel. So uh, that worked out as a good uh, beginning with our partnership too. Yeah, wow. I love that story of, you know, you both having that <laughs> common interest and that's kind of what got the um, snowball effect rolling, you know. But yeah. how long into the relationship did you both discover that you also had the interest in uh, the paranormal? Immediately. Immediately? <laughs> Very, very quickly. Actually, when I met Rob, I went home to my roommate and I said, I think I just met the guy I'm, I'm going to marry. <laughs> and she said, really? How do you know that? And I said, I don't know. It's just a feeling, you yeah. know. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, though. One thing we did was uh, when we first met was uh, we went to the store and I said, uh, it was a game store. And I said, let's buy a Ouija board and try it out. So we did. <laughs> And so right away, uh, it starts working for us. And supposedly, we're getting this uh, information coming from an alien in a ship uh, <laughs> out in, somewhere in space above, above Earth. So being, a, uh, I was still working as a newspaper reporter. And you know, being uh, somewhat skeptical, I said, OK, we, we want some proof <laughs> that, that of who you are uh, contacting us through a Ouija board from a spaceship. And so we were told to go to the airport. Uh, that, On a particular night. Uh, yeah, that, that night and late late at night. So so we did. <laughs> yeah, we went at like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I had to be to work at eight uh, at the newspaper 8 o'clock the next morning. And so we, uh, we parked. This was when Fort Lauderdale Airport was smaller, so we could just pull up to the fence uh, beyond the runway and watch the airplanes coming in. And so, but there, at this time there wasn't much activity. So we were looking in the sky, uh, watching, we, we, we must've hung out for almost an hour and nothing happened. It was kind of embarrassing. So we just <laughs> went our ways. And then, so the next morning I'm at work and I, I get a, uh, a deadline story that I have to have by 10 30, uh, and I'm calling it in uh, I'm really tired. I call it in, and then I go into the office, and I have to do a follow-up on it and expand upon it for the second edition of the paper. The reporter in the next desk is typing away madly, and we both kind of finish at the same time. And I look, I look over at her. And I say, well, "What are you working on?" Uh, and she says, "A story about a, a UFO that appeared last night above Perry Airport." Which we were at the wrong airport. It was like ten, <laughs> mi ten miles away, a smaller airport. And and the synchronicity there. I mean, the the reporter in the next desk was writing the story about it. Yeah, wow. There you go. I love that. <laughs> like just, just at the wrong airport, you know. But that's 
That's incredible. (laughs) Now, of course, a shrink would probably look at that and say, "Uh, how many people would follow a clue from a Ouija board? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also just want to say too, like that's um, that's great that you sort of both met each other at the same time where you actually wanted to, you know, uh, go freelance and quit your jobs and do what you're passionate about, you know, and that's that's a hard thing for people to do. And the fact that you were both sort of wanting to do the same thing is pretty remarkable. You know, I think it'd be pretty rare for a couple to sort of meet and be in that same position and be able, and to be able to sort of both support each other because you're both coming from the same point of view. So I take my hats off to that because that's never an easy thing to, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, especially for, especially for both of us quitting our jobs yeah. and going off on our own with not one of them, you know, staying, staying on with a full-time job and, you know, pulling in the regular income, but both of us. It's resulted in financial ups and downs. I mean, it's not, yeah, but we also have a daughter who doesn't work for anybody. She has three part-time jobs as an artist, Mm -hmm. a dog walker, a dog sitter. (laughs) Um, And she makes a living. uh, And she's also uh, finishing her first novel. So, uh, no, she, she grew up and never saw her parents go to work. You know, I mean, they they never, (laughs) like everybody else's parents, they got, got up and went to work in the morning. We got up and, you know, walked 10 feet to our desks, our offices and, uh, you know, went to work right at home. So she liked the idea of the the parents get to stay home. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough, you know, whatever kind of works for everyone. Yeah, really. So as you mentioned there, you know, you mentioned a few synchronicities already and, of course, you were both known for your pretty extensive research into synchronicity. So just to get a bit of an understanding uh, for all the listeners, what does synchronicity mean to the both of you? Okay. So uh, synchronicity is when two or more similar things that aren't connected come together in no, like a, don't have cause and effect yeah it, caused by cause and effect. yeah come together in a in a spooky way uh outside of cause and effect and and the that that connection or uh coincidence uh is meaningful to the experiencer the one who have uh one who experiences it so in other words if i i'm thinking as an example i'm thinking of a friend i haven't thought about for years i wonder what happened to that person and a few minutes later, I get a Facebook request from that person. Now, that's a synchronicity, but it could also be telepathy. It also could be precognition. Uh, so we look at synchronicity as like the umbrella of all the paranormal, par- paranormal uh, aspects. That Because a lot of, lot of uh, things that can be t- telepathy, precognition, or you know, other... Uh, aspects of uh, psychokinesis can also be uh, synchronicities. Well, synchronicity is also active in all divination systems. You know, I mean, Jung first wrote about it in his introduction to Richard Wilhelm's I Ching, and that's where he initially talked about synchronicity, at least in a public way. Yeah, and synchronicities don't exist, really, unless you recognize that coincidences can have meaning. If if a lot they of people, do have meaning, not that, can. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but recognizing that. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people have these experiences, but you know, just let it go. Don't think nothing of it. Uh, and just something passing. Yeah, and so we we encounter people who have never heard the term synchronicity all the time. And but then when you talk to them about it, they say, "Oh, I've had I've had those those." Oh, that happens to me daily. <laughs> <laughs> It is a bit like that, isn't it? Like once I sort of came across the topic of synchronicity and you sort of speak to people about it and they don't understand it until you kind of put it into, I don't know, I guess a term or an understanding where they can have a connection to it and they go, they do have that exact reaction, don't they? Of, oh, yeah I, can, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Um, well, I mean, most people experience coincidences. So sometimes you just say, you know, it's a meaningful coincidence. Yeah, that's the, that's the easiest, that's the easiest. easiest uh, definition is a meaningful coincidence. See, we, we found this too with uh, the word precognition. We sort of did a random survey one day at the dog park where, where the only commonality people have were dogs. And, you know, I said, do you know what precognition is? Do I know what what is? And then if you put it in terms of, do you know what an omen is? Mm. Oh, yeah, I know what an omen is. It's just a different, uh, yeah, it's different just a way word. of looking at it. I, when I first so I started this podcast back in 2016, so it's about two, two and a half years ago now, um, 
And I guess we could talk about this maybe a little later in, but I guess the podcast kind of started around um, a bunch of synchronicities and things that kind of happened in my life that sort of time. But the fact of the way that we've even met online is through a synchronicity. Like Trish, did you maybe want to um, go into kind of what happened there with you actually reaching out to me? Yeah, our friend Daz, who lives in Brisbane, he's a blogging friend, uh, left a comment one day on our blog. I think he sent me an email too and he said, hey, there's this guy, Dylan, who has this Paranormal Thoughts podcast who mentioned you and also Mike Cleland. I said, really? So I went and, and he sent me the link. So I went and listened to the podcast and then I wrote you. <laughs> I said, well, thank you. That's, that's you know, that, that would have been impossible without the internet and technology. Mm. We met Mike Cleland through the uh, internet too, and uh, his real thing about synchronicity deals with owls and UFOs, UFOs and uh, he's had so many of, of those experiences. He wrote a very thick book about it. Mm. Yeah, I reached out to Mike. Oh, maybe it probably was quite early on into the, um, mm-hmm. the podcast, um, and we have sort of spoken about him coming on, but at that point he was like halfway through writing his second book, so he was pretty pretty busy and I was like, I'll, I'll leave you to, you know, do do what you got to do. Um, and I haven't actually rekindled that um, discussion yet, but it is on my um, list of eventually to talk to Mike because he, he was like Mike and the both of you were kind of quite uh, important to the reason why I started this podcast, you know, so I'd oh, like wow. to, yeah, well, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but so just kind of, um, it was funny like when I did get your email, um, I didn't really pay much attention to who the email was from. I kind of just read it. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> and then I like looked back at the top at your name and I said, Trish McGregor. I was like, oh, it can't be like the Trish McGregor, <laughs> you know, like the, the reason kind of why the podcast sort of started. And then I realized it was you. And I was like, no way. Um, so it kind of came, it, it really did come full circle for me, you know, um, which was just bizarre, you know, exactly. And, um, I read your friend's blog, um, and it was funny. It sort of got halfway through and it was like, I'm surprised, um, Dylan's never actually reached out to you both. And I suppose this, the podcast, I try not to do a ton (laughs) of interviews, you know, and like, I try to, I try to do it from a bit of a different approach. Um, cause I guess Uh a lot of podcasts about the paranormal have a a very similar, um, they have a pretty similar concept about they do interviews with authors or pretty high profile experiences and things like that. But I kind of wanted to give it sort of back to the people a little more and anyone who kind of has interesting stories uh, could kind of come forward and sort of share it that way. So I still do. Yeah, I love your title fits, you know, paranormal thoughts. Yeah, it's, it's a little more yes. of like a discussion, I suppose, and uh-huh. which is, I don't know, a bit different, but. Um, I'm definitely not opposed to doing interviews, but it, it's not really, it's not the first thing I sort of think about doing. But when I saw your email come through, I was like, no way, that's that's actually <laughs> insane in a sense. So, Yeah, when you become aware of synchronicities, that's when you, you really start uh, paying, attention. <laughs> paying attention and finding more and more happening around you that uh, you didn't realize. Like I remember one person I... Uh, talk to about our synchronicity book uh, is actually a, a guy who uh, had a little newsletter about UFOs. What was his name again? And, uh, James Mosley. J- James Mosley. And he very seriously told me that he's had two synchronicities in his life. And he's <laughs> going to explain one, which he did in great detail. Uh, it was very interesting to him, but uh, it didn't make much sense to me. But the, the thing is that, you know, I probably had two synchronicities that morning you know (laughs) and and, uh so you know people have different perspectives on uh uh, on synchronicity synchronicity, what it means and he he also you know he was very interested in ufos but the the fact that we were at that point writing uh uh, a lot of uh, astrology books. He was making fun of that. He thought that was hilarious <laughs> that we believed in uh, astrology. So you know, so it's uh, so I said, Jim, different things for give different me your books. birth date, your time, and where you were born, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The first episode I did for the podcast. Uh, I've just checked the date here. Uh, it was the seventh of October, two thousand sixteen, 
And okay. the way I recorded that, I like I wasn't even sure I was going to even make a podcast, to be honest. I just kind of <laughs> started talking and I just kind of recorded a bunch of um, my thoughts. So that very first episode's a bit of a shambles because it wasn't, I didn't, when I was recording it, I wasn't even sure people were going to hear it. And I kind of just uh-huh. did it and I was like, I'm just going to put this online. And literally I was like, I got to call it something. So I just called it Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. Like it just, it, it just kind of was something I just threw out, you know, and it just kind of stuck. Um, and then, yeah. so that was the first episode. And then by the fourth episode, which was the 12th of November, 2016, um, this is where this night I had um, some very interesting events kind of unfold where I was driving home late one night. At this time, I was doing some work experience at a radio station in Brisbane. So the show I was helping out on, um, I think it started at 10 and then the show finished at about midnight. So I might have been driving home around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. So no one's no one's on the road, obviously, as you can kind of imagine. And um, in my car at the time, I didn't have like an aux cord or a USB um, input. So, but I, I, I'd love to drive and listen to podcasts. So I'd have to physically burn podcasts onto CDs. So I kind of just had this like large CD book uh, on the floor of my passenger seat um, with just a bunch of discs with podcasts. And a lot of them I didn't even have titles written on because I'd kind of be in a rush. I just kind of, I just have a bunch of blank CDs. Um, and I was like, I just feel like listening to something because, you know, the drive home is about half an hour or so. Um, so I just grabbed a disc, put it in the, um, put it in the player and it started sort of driving home. And that turned out to be, um, your interview with Mike Cleland, um, when you were on his podcast. Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, to that yeah yeah i'd forgotten about that (laughs) yeah so maybe 10 minutes into the drive i kind of realized that this was the podcast um where i sort of first found out about synchronicity um within you know the paranormal and more so alien abduction and that's kind of what got me thinking about you know i guess all like this whole topic um as a whole and what it sort of meant to me so I'm sort of put that in and I went, oh, this is like this podcast that I heard some months ago now that kind of the light bulb effect sort of went off to start the podcast that I just started, you know, a month earlier. So I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting, you know, driving home, listening to that. Um, and obviously, you know, you're talking about owls and synchronicities with um, UFO abductees and everything along those lines. So I start to ponder to listen to a podcast with, um, I can't remember who it was now. I need to actually go back and find that, but it was with a woman um, and one of the last things she said in that podcast about um, abduction was if she had had in an experience, um, she doesn't re- like remember it. So I'm kind of maybe 10 minutes or so from home and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about those sort of words about, yeah, okay, I'm really interested in this topic, but I couldn't ever say that I've had any sort of experience. I've never seen anything or anything like that, but I just have uh-huh. this passion for it, you know? So I'm sort of thinking, well, what if, it is that um, situation where I just don't remember anything. So I'm thinking about that about 10 minutes from home. Um, I continue to drive and I'm literally about to turn into the street um, where my parents live. And I look out the window to the right and I see an owl sitting on a street sign. Oh, wow. <laughs> so... That was- Sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And sitting on a sign um, is so, it just is like a perfect story there. So I sort of pull over and there's no one around, obviously, because it's quite early in the morning. And I get out of the car and I walk over to this owl and I'm just kind of looking at it for a little while. I, I might have said something, I can't really remember. And we we're kind of just looking at one another for a bit. And then the owl took off and flew to the other side of the road into a bunch of trees. And I thought, okay, that was kind of interesting. You know, um, and then I sort of get back in the car, just drive into um, my street, and then I sort of just went over in my head the events that just kind of took place. I was listening to Robin Trish talking to Mike Cleland about synchronicity and owls. <laughs> that was the reason I kind of started the podcast. I'm driving home thinking about if I've had an abduction, and then next minute I see an owl, and I was just wow. kind of God. yeah, and wow. it was just it's just that perfect That's line of great. events, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's a really good synchronicity. That that's powerful. Yeah, 
You, you know, the story I had uh, told you about how we, we met and how we went out uh, looking for that uh, UFO <laughs> at the airport. Mm. So the, the follow-up to that is the next night, you know, the, the, it was, the, the paper came out that afternoon and it had the UFO story at Perry Airport right on the front page across the bottom. And so Trish and I got, I told Trish about this. Uh, and so that night we went down to Perry Airport to look. <laughs> and so Perry Airport has no lights on at night. It's just pure just a private. Dark, a private airport. And it is dark. And we're looking around. Again, nothing happened. So we're driving back. And we're in separate cars, actually. I turn on the radio, and what comes on is very strange. It's one of these old-time dramas, uh, like before television existed, where people sat around and listened to these dramas on the, uh, on the radio. And it was an old-time drama. And one of the characters was an alien from, uh, from a spaceship, you know? <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like your owl on the sign. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It can't be like any more obvious to you, isn't it? It's just it's it's there, yeah. just trying to tell you something. That, that owl on the sign, Dylan, is kind of like that's a slap over the head. Like, hey, pay attention, pay yeah. attention. <laughs> exactly right, isn't it? it and then, and then over the next few days, there's a few other little um, interesting things like that sort of happened. But um, a big one that sort of stood out to me was so that happened. That would have been early hours of say Friday morning, I think. And then by I think Sunday evening i'd only told two people about um what had happened it was my mum and my girlfriend and uh uh, we decided to go for a walk um on the sunday night and we were sort of heading back towards where i saw the owl and i kind of just thought to myself wouldn't it be great if they saw an owl also you know because it's sort of been weighing on my mind for the last couple days and we get to the spot um where it took place was actually on the other side of the road. So we're on the side of the road where the owl would have flown into the trees. I was, uh, sort, of, I was sort of thinking about this um, and then, no word of a lie, this owl just swoops down directly in front of us so, well, to the point where you couldn't miss it, um, where, it, it, you know, I don't know why it would have actually made itself so obvious to us and landed back in the trees where it would have been originally from. And so both my mum and my girlfriend were standing there looking at this owl and I was like, well, I don't know what this means, but you were the only two I'd told about this. And now we've just seen, um, another owl, if it's not the same owl, but, um, there you go. So I couldn't really make sense of, uh, that, but once again, it was just whatever did that message was. That? Is this, did they recognize that as a synchronicity? Yeah, definitely. So I'd sort uh-huh. of spoken to them about, um, what sort of, you know, synchronicity was and sort right. of what, and they were like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty spooky. <laughs> they were a bit freaked out by it, but I was like, well, there you go. So it was, um, I don't know, it was just one of those, and it was just such an interesting time because um, with the podcast just kind of starting, I felt like, okay, I need to keep doing this, um, you know, and kind of keep searching for answers, and that's sort of what I've been doing, and I think it mm-hmm. it has sort of paid off in a sense. You know, it's been really rewarding, and, and like now, look, like, you know, I would never thought two and a half years later I would, you know, be talking to you guys from you actually reaching out to me because, um, <laughs> you know, so it's just, you know, it's so interesting, but it has kind of come full circle in a sense. Yeah, that's fascinating. That is cool. Yeah. Well, what – um, I was going to ask you a question about your mother and girlfriend. I forgot what I was going to ask you. Um now, have they have they seen owls since, or have you? Um, I've seen a few, um, sort of around that sort of area, but up until, uh-huh. but that's what the, the interesting thing is. I can't say I've ever seen an owl um, there before, um, where we were living, to be honest, um, because I suppose they they don't really make themselves that well aware. But something that happened um, a few years earlier was um, my mum's, one of my mum's brothers um, was killed uh, in a car accident. Uh, he was killed on his motorbike and for a week after he he passed, uh, an owl would come and visit my mum in the backyard and she was the only one who could kind of get close to it um, otherwise it would just That's kind cool. of fly off. And she, um, my mum's quite spiritual and very sort of aware of those sort of things. So she um, came to the conclusion that that was her brother in some sense or, you know, some mm-hmm. sort of um, messenger. 
you could uh, say. Well, that's um, what they are, messengers yeah. between the living and the dead, right. so that's perfect. But they're, they're also related to alien encounters, yeah. too, because like Mike Clellan and Whitley Strieber both have seen owls that – uh, could, could they could be looking at aliens that right. appear as owls, mm. and uh, we've had you know this interest in uh, the aliens and UFOs for a long time. And when after we moved out of Fort Lauderdale and uh, Trish became was pregnant with our first daughter, we moved to our only daughter. Our only daughter, <laughs> right? We moved to uh, Boynton Beach, Florida, and where do we move to? But a place where there's burrowing owls. Burrowing owls are uh, unique to Florida. I yeah. Think. Well, well, maybe not unique. To Florida. Well, anyway, they live in the ground. Right. They, they and, burrow and holes. They're, they're very rare and protected. And so we have living burrowing owls living right in our yard and <laughs> living in the ground. There you <laughs> so, go. And they did. They did put in appearances twice when we had heard about friends passing on. Yeah. One of them was came right on our our doorway uh, above the door and just stayed there for a couple of hours. And then we heard about uh, a friend of ours in New York City who had died. The most stunning one was uh, Megan comes running into the kitchen one morning. She says, wow, mom, there, there's an owl on the gate outside Buddy's room. Buddy was my dad who was living with us at the time. So I, I thought, uh oh, does that mean my dad's going to pass on? Well, then Megan says, come outside and look, it, it only has one leg. So we ran outside, and it was in the middle of the afternoon, kind of an unusual time for these burrowing owls to come out. So we go outside, and sure enough, at first I thought the owl's leg was folded up, but it was missing its leg from, like, midpoint down, and it was the left leg. And I thought, okay, I know this means something, but what? Next morning, less than 12 hours later, I get a call from the Alzheimer's unit where my mother is telling me that she's being rushed to a hospital because her left they think she had broken her left hip. Well, as it turned out, her hip had dissolved. The same leg as the owl that was missing part of its leg. And she died a couple of weeks later. Wow, there you go. Not only was it, I suppose, a message about a passing, but that it was so specific about the uh, the missing leg with the owl. Like, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. yeah, that was incredible. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'd like to maybe talk to you both about maybe some experiences you've come across with aliens and synchronicity, UFO abduction, everything like that. Uh, as I sort of mentioned, my listeners are really interested in that sort of topic. So I'd love to hear maybe some cases you've come across that 
stick out for you both? Well, we found that uh, alien contact uh, and synchronicity uh, are linked, and uh, and others have found that too. That there seems to be a link between the paranormal and alien encounters, and it, uh, because it seems that uh, aliens are connected to our unconscious, they can read our minds and communicate uh, telepathically, and they they might be able to create or stimulate synchronicity. So we've just run across a, a number of different uh, cases. One of them that we write about in our book called Aliens in the Backyard involved a man uh, who lived in Quebec uh, outside of... Uh, Toronto, uh, I think. No, not Toronto. Montreal. Uh, Mon uh, outside Montreal in the countryside, about 45 minutes away. Uh, he <coughs> worked in the, uh, works in the aeronautical field in Montreal, and he gets up very early in the morning, uh, uh, 5 o'clock or so, and so one morning he had this experience where he looks out, uh, he lets his dog out the backyard and the dog didn't want to go out for some reason out the, out the back door. And so he kind of nudges him with his foot and he looks out and he sees these beams of light uh, in this field shooting down and there's at least a dozen of them and he can't see what's above it, but it's very strange. And inside these beams, it's this swirling energy and it looks like it's pulling something from the earth and going up. So he wakes his wife up and says, you got to see this. So they go, they go out and looking at it, and these lights are moving towards them. And then suddenly, uh, from one side, here comes a, uh, a saucer-shaped craft that's coming, coming in into their backyard vertically. Not, not like a like, coin like on a, its side. Like you know, a coin on its side. On the edge. Come between this uh, weeping willow tree and the house coming right at them. And this beam of light comes out, and he he reaches down for the uh, his dog to grab him and go inside. And this uh, beam of gold light goes around the dog, and he grabs the dog, and that's the last thing he remembers. The next thing he knows, he's uh, taking a shower, and he doesn't know how he got there. And his wife is sound asleep, and uh, so this was his really the extent of his experience. And but it just blew his mind. Uh, he he had no interest or belief in UFOs or aliens, and suddenly he has this strange experience. So he didn't really lose, have any missing time. He actually went to work that day, made it on At time. compressed time. <laughs> yeah, and, or compressed time or whatever. And, but he closes his office door and just breaks down in tears, and he, like having a nervous breakdown. And, and after that, yeah, he started having uh, synchronicities, and one of the things, he went to his neighbor and asked about uh, did you see anything this morning? Uh, and she's, uh, he says, no. And his wife yells, yells, Charles, did you see a UFO? Because my cousin, he's kind of crazy. He, he's a uh, channeler. And he said, uh, a couple weeks ago, he said, there's going to be a UFO appear in your backyard. And you <laughs> saw it, didn't you? <laughs> and he, he's just shocked. And then he starts uh, seeing these people who, who lived about a quarter mile from Wait, him. Wait, he also went to a bookstore in Montreal yeah. looking for information or whatever. And on the bookstore, uh, on the exhibit stand, was in French a book called Seven Secrets of Synchronicity. So he bought the book, took it home, went on the Internet to see what it was about, came to our blog and that same day, we happened to have a picture of a UFO that was pretty much exactly what he had seen in his backyard. With, wow. with the beams, with the beams <laughs> shooting down. And that's when he, he knew he had to contact us and tell, tell us his story. But he had been having a number of uh, synchronicities already. And he, so he goes into this bookstore and goes to the New Age section. And that's the only book he picked up was <laughs> The uh, Seven Secrets of Synchronicity. And it was in French. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so... <laughs> That, that was the connection uh, that he had with us. And, uh, but strange things were happening to him. Like uh, he was having trouble sleeping. So he stopped on the way home from uh, his office at a, at a pharmacy to get some over-the-counter sleeping pills of some sort. And uh, he's, he's, he asked uh, an assistant uh, for what he could get. And she said, well, let me get the pharmacist. The pharmacist comes over and looks at him and says, you had an experience, didn't you? You 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 saw that, and he said, "What?" And uh, he said, "You saw a UFO, didn't you?" And 
this blew his mind. I mean, how could this pharmacist look at him and say that? And then the pharmacist writes down a name and a telephone number, says, call this person. I know this man, he, he, he knows a lot of information about this. <laughs> and so uh, he contacts that guy and they get together and uh, you know, it's just one thing after another that- uh, Now here's another strange thing. He and his wife were so freaked out by this that they got holy water and they used to carry it around with them. So at one point we had met a woman in the spiritualist community of Casadega, which is just north of Orlando, who's a psychometrist. She reads objects. So I said to Rob, well, let, let, get the holy, get the vial of holy water from Charles and let's take it to Kathy and see if she'll read it, what she can pick up. Well, Kathy is, she, at that time, she was an emergency room nurse. <laughs> so when I pull out this this vial of holy water, she thinks it's urine. <laughs> she thinks it's a urine sample. And she kind of looks at me and she goes, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll read this. And that's what she did, you know, and she came up with some specific things about his experience. And my question at the end of this was, well, Kathy, why did this happen? What was their purpose? And she said, fun. Yeah, he said they, the aliens did it for fun. They were doing something out in that field, and then they spotted him. And uh, whatever they did with him, it was just, you know, what you know. They, she said they did it for fun. I mean, the the idea that they're doing anything for fun <laughs> is kind of unusual. Kind of scary. Too. <laughs> scary. <laughs> there you go. I like, yeah, like what what can you even make of that? It's just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> So you also have your new book um, that's recently been released, Secrets of Spirit Communication. Um, this is another thing we found that synchronicity, with any kind of spirit contact, synchronicity seems to be one of the vital components, you know, just as it is with, with alien and UFO stuff, with any kind of strange experience, really. So can you give me um, maybe an example of um, synchronicity coming into play with contacting um, spirits? All right, here's one. You were talking about owls before. Okay, yep. one day I'm I'm going through some old photos. I found some photos, for old family photos, uh, when my family lived in Venezuela. And so I was texting my sister that I had found these photos and did she want any. And all of a sudden, outside my window, two hummingbirds appear. And this feeling washed over me, and I, I knew that it was my parents, both of whom had were deceased. Anyway, so that that was an example. You know, there was no. It, it's like again, birds as messengers, birds as as whether it's for about you know UFOs and aliens or whether it's contact with the dead. Yeah, a spirit contact and synchronicity is just some examples. A clock stops at the time of death of a loved one. Uh, we've heard those stories. Or a broken radio begins to play as you talk about the uh, the deceased one who owned that radio. Uh, you open a book. And find a photo of a uh, of a loved one uh, that you're just thinking about the person uh, who, who had passed. Here's another one with technology. Uh, we've heard about a couple of these. One woman who had lost her husband was texting her daughters about coming to the house to you know go through things and see what they wanted to take with them. And all of a sudden, while she's writing them, uh, it, there was. This line appears that no one typed, he loves you. And Nancy was so shocked, it, it took her a moment to, to process what the heck this was. And she said, I didn't type that to her daughter. And the other two daughters say, we didn't either. And the daughter goes, oh, my God, he loves us. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, you know, there's an, an instance where technology has maybe enable these spirits to be more communicative. But again, it's a synchronicity. Yeah. The usual presentation of spirit contact in the media and in enter entertainment is, is that it's something scary, something frightening. Or negative. Uh, something, you know, coming out of the earth, you know. Uh, but that's really not the, uh, the most common. Uh, those are the kind of the scary stories that interest people. But... The reason spirits want to contact us is maybe to finish a task, uh, like finding uh, hidden money for the family that had been left behind, or or sometimes just to say I'm okay. Yeah, to yeah, yeah to show to to show that there is life beyond death, that the spirit world exists, 
or just you know, like Trish said, to communicate that that they're okay. So there's lots of stories, and there's a lot of times it appears through symbolism, not just you know when we say we contact, how do they contact us? It's not like they they appear as ghosts and start talking to us. <laughs> Sometimes it's like a series of uh, white feathers that uh, flutter down in front of you is is one symbol. Butterflies in certain situations mm-hmm. uh, landing on a gravestone, or hummingbirds, or you know, it's, yeah. it's there are a lot of signs or, and symbols in nature. A road sign bearing the name of the the person you're you're talking about. So uh, different uh, different things like that. Uh, there's one uh, man who is uh, uh, an arch skeptic uh, who is the editor of uh, Michael Shermer, Michael Shermer, editor of Skeptic Magazine. And uh, he had an experience himself and he wrote about it in a column in Scientific Scientific American. American. And uh, he he was marrying a German woman. She had moved her belongings from Germany. And uh, one of the things that they had was this old radio she, uh, that her grandfather owned, and she had grown up with her grandfather and been very close to him. And uh, just uh, they, after the ceremony, they walk back to their room, and they hear this radio, uh, this love song playing. Where is that coming from? They open this drawer, and there it's that old radio that had never worked. The, he had messed around with that, trying to get it to play. It had never played. And it, it played for about an hour or so, stopped, and was, and was never able to uh, pl- play again. But uh, it was right at the time of the wedding. And uh, the, the German woman just breaks down and says, Grandfather is here. Uh, she, you know, she, she had felt very sad that she was getting married and her, this no, man who has been very close to her wasn't, and, uh, or any other family was there with her. So... Uh, you know, he wrote about that, and so but a we, couple of years later, he became a skeptic again. <laughs> well, probably sooner than that, but he wrote, yeah. He by, by a couple of years later, he is writing that it's all nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. How interesting. <laughs> One of the questions um, I had written down here, which is it's funny, um, I was going to ask about um, your paranormal experiences that you've had, but you um, you answered that pretty early on with the uh, with the Ouija board. <laughs> Tony, you go to the you go to the airport. So I just thought that was uh, that was funny that you answered that um, organically. Yeah, you know, we just had an experience two weeks ago. Our ten-year-old uh, golden retriever died, and this was—he was such a noble dog, and we were really broken up by this. And our so anyway, my my daughter a few months earlier had lost her cat and had gone to this animal communicator. So I said, well, I'd like to make a, a an appointment with Heather. And one of the first, I had the reading finally yesterday. One of the first things she said to me, she said, who's Buddy? Well, Buddy was Megan's nickname for my dad. He never wanted to be called granddad or grandfather. So at that point, I thought, okay, where, how did this woman get this name? She's got to be the real deal. And then she started telling me about what Noah's doing on the other side. You know, it was just when you get some kind of validation like that, then you know it's 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 real. Yeah, definitely. But it's like your owl on the sign. You know, a different type of sign, but it's 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 validation. Mm. And oftentimes these uh, experiences related to uh, people or animals passing over uh, come through come through dreams. Uh, for example, about a couple weeks before. Uh, our golden retriever died. I had this uh, dream of seeing the dog uh, with Trisha's father, Buddy, uh, and the dog was, it looked thin and he was kind of following us from a distance. And it was after that, that he got sick and he lost like 13 pounds in a a week or 10 days. Uh, And so he had gotten thin. And so that was like a precognitive dream. Mm -hmm. And, And then afterwards, after he died, our daughter Megan and I both had a dream of the same the, night. Yeah, the same night of uh, contact with the dog. Basically, that it was, uh, you know, I saw the dog playing, and I was there. Noah. His name was Noah. Noah right. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I said, 
I said to somebody who was there, that dog is dead. <laughs> and and Megan and Megan uh, had the dream, and uh, she was seeing the dog uh, Noah play, and then he he said uh, she she said uh, go find Rob. And so he runs off and right into my dream. <laughs> you know, uh, you asked about what, there was one synchronicity having to do with aliens and UFOs that was pretty stunning. Rob uh, and his co-author for a book called The Fog were invited to appear on oh, UFO yeah. Hunters. So we all flew out to uh, Andros Island in the Bahamas where there's a secret military base, Navy base, Navy base yeah. called Autech. Ah, yes. Uh, yes, the Autech story. This is such yeah, a strange it's, story. It's like uh, Area 51, the, the underwater, uh, area, underwater 51. area 51, because of uh, sightings of UFOs and underwater objects. And so uh, the the UFO hunters, these three guys that were the main- Bill Burns. Yeah, uh, characters, and the, uh, players in the, the uh, docu uh, History Channel documentary, went out there to gather these stories and uh, talking with people who had worked uh, with Autech civilians because they were more willing to talk about these things. And But then they, they wanted to go onto the base. And so <laughs> the producers had contacted the base a number of times. And not only did uh, they not get approval to go on the base, but they never even got Responded. any response at all. So after I was interviewed, uh, by Bill Burns, uh, he said, why don't we go and see if we can get in the base? So we got in a, uh, in a Jeep uh, with the cameraman and sound person and drove over to the entrance. And we stopped about, must have been about 50 yards away from, from the entrance uh, and to get organized and to walk up there. Well, immediately what happens is two police cars arrive and instead of like pulling towards the gate, they came head to head across the gate, like they were blocking, physically <laughs> blocking the gate. And then this black helicopter lifts from behind the gate and comes over hovering, making a lot of noise. And Bill looks up and says, you know, I don't think they're interested in having <laughs> us <laughs> come into the, the base. And, and so we backed away. Okay. Now, four months later, we're taking our daughter back to college on the west coast of Florida in Sarasota, and we're getting her moved into the dorm. And so that evening, we decided to go down to a local bar that had live music. And it was a Friday night, so it was really crowded. The only opening in the entire place was a high top where another couple was sitting. So we asked this other couple if we could join them. Here's where synchronicity sometimes really kicks you in the face. The couple, the guy, the guy was the ex-commander of Autech who had just retired. And he was there. Uh, he was the commander at Autech when we tried to go yes. in there. And so we're, we're talking to him. We're, we're disrupted. We're drinking and we're disrupted by the music. And uh, it's, uh, you know, and he's. He's fascinated by the story, and he's, he seems like he's got something to tell me, and he, <laughs> he writes down his name and his, uh, his email address, and then uh, he says, let's go over to another bar and talk, and for some reason, Trish We should have. We should have, but we, we should have. That we was decided, stupid. <laughs> we decided to leave. We decided to go, uh, go back to our hotel room instead of going with him, and so what happens? I lose that piece oh, of paper. Man. I never <laughs> Lose my, you know, that, that's like a trickster synchronicity, you know, because you, after all of this, we meet the commander who is there four months later, and he wants to talk to us, and, <laughs> and we, I lose the contact. And we don't go. This is what I don't understand. Why didn't, well, go? Why didn't we go with them? Yeah. Maybe it's just one of those things where it just wasn't meant to be, hey? like yeah. Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe maybe we would have gotten abducted. Or something. <laughs> yeah, <don't know. laughs> that was one of the most powerful synchronicities. Yeah, I mean, that, that when was, he said who he was, we just kind of sat there with our mouths open. That was, and so we started telling him about the UFO hunters and going there. And he was he was very interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's great. I was just um, when I was looking through everything you guys have um, written and published, the Bermuda Triangle is uh, another topic um that you've touched on i'm just wondering um what your sort of thoughts are um uh, about what 
kind of actually goes on there, why um, it is so well known. Evan, is there actually any synchronicities um, that you've found within that? Whole bunches. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, I wrote a book, uh, The Fog was the first one, and then I wrote another one, uh, Beyond the Bermuda Triangle. And both of them were co-authored with uh, Bruce Gernon, who is a pilot who had a very strange uh, time travel experience in the uh, uh, Bermuda Triangle. When he flew from mm. Andros. Yeah, he, that was... yeah, actually, he was flying from uh, from Andros Island. Uh, where Autech is. Yeah, where Autech <laughs> right. is. Yeah, and, and actually, in that uh, that interview I had, he uh, where we had this uh, attempt to to meet the uh, to get commander. into the, to meet the commander and get into the base, he was also there, and he and he and he had flown us uh, there that uh, that weekend, and uh, so his experience was leaving from Andros and seeing this cloud, this uh, looked like a lenticular cloud, which are usually kind of, they look like kind of UFOs, like this shape, and they're usually above high mountain, uh, uh, mountains, at least 10,000 feet or so. Uh, and But this was over the ocean and only about 1,000 feet. Uh, and so he flies around it, seems kind of harmless. He goes around it, continues on, and he looks back, and he sees this cloud suddenly growing and expanding and shooting arms off and, uh, on either side uh, uh, and kind of forming a U around uh, where he's flying. And then there's another one in the distance, and that's shooting two <coughs> arms off either in a U from the other side. So suddenly he's inside this donut of clouds, and he goes, tries to fly underneath it. He goes way down 100 feet, and he sees that the cloud is coming right out of the ocean now. He goes up to over 10,000 feet, and he, he think, by then he thinks that must be up to 60,000 feet. So he's trapped in there, and he, but then he sees this hole where the two of the arms are coming together, and there's this circle, uh, and he, like a tunnel, and he, he, he thinks that maybe he can make it through there. So he flies right into it, and the, things get really weird. Uh, there's the, inside the cloud, the clouds are spinning in uh, counterclockwise, and they're closing down around the, around the airplane. Everything's dark, and but he could see blue sky on the other side, and he bursts through, and now the blue sky is gone, and he's just in this uh, yellow soup, and uh, none of the instruments are working on the airplane. It's uh, They lose uh, radio contact. Finally, they got radio contact with the Miami Tower, and they say, uh, ask, can you locate us? We should be near near Bimini, approaching Bimini. And they say, no, there's no planes out there at all. And so he's with two, his father and a bu father's business partner, and, you know, they started getting very nervous. And his and, father was also a pilot. Yeah, right. So. And, uh, you know, they were very careful about all three of them keeping track of the times and their watches and everything, so they, uh, and how much gas they had. And... Uh, then the radio comes back on after a minute and says, okay, there's a plane coming right in over uh, Miami Beach now. Bruce says, no, that couldn't be us. We're 100 miles away. And he looks down, the fog is breaking away, and there's Miami Beach. And so it's like they had moved 100 miles in space uh, in an instant somehow yeah. uh, after going through this tunnel. And that uh, so confused him. He kept track of everything that happened and kept thinking about it and writing about it and for years and years and thinking about it every day because it, it just, uh, you know, it, it was a baffling experience. It completely has taken over his life. Right. And, but but it, when it happened, this was 1971. He was young. 73. 73. Uh, he was about 20, 22 years old. Uh, he had never heard of the Bermuda Triangle at that point. Charles Berlitz's book, The Bermuda Triangle, didn't come out till like three years later, and he happened to catch a uh, talk show on television where one of the persons who first wrote about the Bermuda Triangle was interviewed, and he listened to it and said, I know about that. I was, I was in it. I, you know, that, then he knew he had to uh, contact uh, this, uh, this man who, was, who was, uh, had the show. Uh, I can't think of his name now, but anyhow, uh, they, they eventually got together and he told him his story and that that came, that story was told in Charles Burlitt's follow-up book on the Bermuda Triangle and uh, and Bruce has been 
interviewed probably 30 or 40 different times on different documentaries about the Bermuda Triangle over the years. <laughs> and he's, he's usually the one that they have at the end for, because his, his story is the most, he's the, the survivor, the one who survived. And, they, and he's a pilot, and a pilot you know, so that right? makes him a... Yeah. So I met him at the, the gym where we both worked out and uh, it turned out that uh, he had read an article about me that was, appeared in the local paper, the Palm Beach Post, and he uh, wanted uh, to know if I wanted to work with him on his on his book. And at first, uh, you know, I was busy with other things, and I put him off for a while, and then we finally got together, and it turns out he only lived a mile away from us. And yeah, and so uh, that that's how it came came about uh, writing the the fog, and then later on, uh, just last year, we had a follow up book beyond the Bermuda Triangle. There was something else that happened too when Bruce flew us to Andros that weekend. On the way back, Rob and I were sitting in the back of the plane, and all of a sudden, I was looking at Bruce's navigational stuff because I at one point in my life I took flying lessons, and all of a sudden I noticed that the train vanished, <laughs> and Bruce didn't say anything. Yeah, and I, I nudged Rob and I said, you know, I pointed at the navigation. I said, everything's gone. Yeah, he had a GPS, a huge GPS screen. Uh, and you can see all the islands uh, all the way uh, leading to, uh, to to Florida, uh, South Florida. And fortunately, Bruce had, had traveled that route enough so that he, he knew how to fly it without the without the navigational equipment. But it wasn't until we landed in, in West Palm that, he, that I said, Bruce... What happened to the nav stuff? He said, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. It's bad, you know. <laughs> and what happened, though, is we flew right over the base. Right over Autec. Right over Autec, and that's where it happened. And then we, uh, I later was in communication with one of the former Autec workers, and he said, oh, you got, you got hit by an E-bomb <laughs> uh, from, from the base uh, uh-huh. for flying. You're not supposed to fly over there. They, and they, they knocked out your... Uh, uh, your navigation uh, somehow, and uh, but as soon as he went right over, uh, he was back over the mainland. It, everything came back on, and he had a, the whole thing checked out the next day, and they couldn't find anything wrong with it at all. So that that was a strange experience. That was whether, a little scary. Whether it was <laughs> you know whether they would actually do something at the base to somebody like that, or whether it came from some other source, that was a strange experience we should ask the commander (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting though isn't it like you're flying um purposely for a documentary on the bermuda triangle uh and while you're flying you've actually (laughs) seen with your own eyes um sort of an anomaly that is reported you know so there you go wow Yeah. yeah that's strange one thing from your book the secrets, um, secret number four uh, of synchronicity, uh, you've got here that it's the uh, the creative, creativity lies in the heart of synchronicity. Uh, and that really stood out to me. And I think um, hearing your story at the beginning of the episode uh, about meeting one another and kind of having similar interests and being able to actually quit what you were doing and move into what you do now Um I think that's a real sort of testament to that and I can relate to that as well with, you know, having my sort of experiences and putting into this podcast and just, you know, I just feel like that is a massive um, a massive part of it and I never really thought about it like that, that it can actually influence us to be creative and to sort of do uh-huh. what, maybe to do what we're meant to be doing, you know. So just when I um, I saw that, um, chapter there, I just thought, wow, that's something that really stood out to me. Oh, well, that's great. I mean, I, my, my thing is everybody should do what they love, you know, it's, but the problem is that people get discouraged, you know, understandably and give and up. To, and they have to make a living. Too. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, the, the creative, uh, that, that's just an aspect that where synchronicities, uh, when you're involved in a creative, uh, experience like writing uh, something that we're doing research and the, the research just comes out of nowhere to us. You know, uh, the, just what we needed at the right time appears to us. Uh, and I was able to do that some <clears throat> when I was working as a journalist too. People would ask me, well, how were you able to get that uh, that uh, that contact, that interview at that time? And, you know, it, it's it, 
you know, you say you can't say synchronicity to these <laughs> editors, you know. <laughs> uh, they're they're suspicious, you know, <laughs> how you did that. <laughs> and uh, you know, I knew something was going on then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Just before we finish, maybe um, if you guys just want to tell people where they can find all of your content and everything like that. Probably the simplest, the place where we do the most updating is blog.synchrosecrets.com then we each have from there you can find our websites and everything too yeah my website is robmcgregor.buzz it's m-a-c uh, and mine is trishjmcgregor.com and our books uh, are all on amazon uh, and barnesandnoble.com and just putting our, our names trish mcgregor or tj mcgregor rob mcgregor uh, you can give the whole list of them and well thank you both so much for taking the time to come on here and speak with me for a little while as i said it was it was um really interesting how we kind of connected up and i think that's you know i think i think that just says something doesn't it yes it sure does (laughs) so if you ever doubt think back to that yeah well thank you for having us on dylan yeah thanks dylan well, there you have it. Please, once again, guys, all of Rob and Trish's links will be in the description of this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this. Uh, it's been a little while since I've done an interview and to do an interview and to sort of be the first interview of 2019 with such people as Rob and Trish McGregor has actually been um, really incredible. And since speaking with Rob and Trish, it's given me um, almost a... It's, it's really motivated me to find some other ways to bring you guys some interesting content that I haven't really thought much about. So... Hopefully, um, keep you know this is this would be a great time to subscribe and follow um, Paranormal Thoughts podcast so you can keep in the loop for all the new exciting episodes that we have coming out. So thank you once again, guys, and thank you to Rob and Trish for their time and coming on here to share a little bit about what they do. That's it for this episode, guys. I look forward to seeing you in another podcast real soon. Thanks. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.